Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow With Muin podcast. I am your host, Muin Zafar, and today I have with me Trevor Dunbar. Now, Trevor has been a lieutenant firefighter for 13 years in the greater Seattle area. He is a consultant and a public speaker who's actively involved in the community. He is the host of the Outliers Way podcast, and he also holds retreats and masterminds where he acts as a guide and mentor. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Moyen. It's good to be here, man. Yeah, it's great to have you, my friend. So let's, uh, let's dive straight into it. Um, my first question is uh, about... When you were a firefighter, you've been a firefighter for 13 years. Yeah. Um, that's a long time. Um, so I want to ask, um, I know there's a lot of stories there, but I want to ask just one story that really stood out for you where, where even you were surprised that, wow, this happened. And I mean that in a more positive light. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shoot, man. Yeah. I mean, funny. I, so in high school, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And I was, when I graduated, I was on my way to the recruiter. And, um, you know, 18 and the traffic was going slow. So I cut over and, and passed a bunch of semi trucks and I ended up getting pulled over doing like 30 over the mm -hmm. speed limit. And, uh, you know, long story, I ended up never making it to that recruiter. And I kind of convinced myself with that ticket on my record, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. Fast forward six months, I ended up having an opportunity to, to go into the fire department. And um, I think one of the biggest memories that I have is, you know, I was 18 going into the fire service and most of the people were older than me. And I, you know, I, I had a pretty clear path of what I wanted to do at that time in my life. I wanted to do something that um, where I felt like I was making a difference, making an impact. But I also loved the challenges. I also loved the idea of, of you know, solving problems and, and really making an impact. So I went into the fire service academy and I was 18 and I ended up, you know, it was an eight week, really difficult process, but I ended up coming out of that with a bull, uh, with the bulldogs award, uh, the bulldog award and with the chief's company award. And I think at an early age, I just really realized that if I focused and dedicated myself towards being tenacious and getting results that I could accomplish things that I didn't necessarily feel like, I was capable of accomplishing per se. And so then over the course of the next 13 years, you know, I ended up being the youngest person hired in our department. I ended up being the youngest person promoted in our department. Wow. And then I also ended up being the youngest person who retired from our department because I got to a place where I was no longer fulfilled with just, you know, being a Lieutenant in the fire department. I had desires that I wanted to go pursue life outside of that of that normal. So I think the biggest story for me and, and the, what I took mostly out of that 13 years, I did a lot of really cool stuff and there was a lot of really painful times in there as well, but it gave me the confidence to just solve problems and be a critical thinker in every area of my life. 
And that has served me really well um, since then because life has not necessarily just been handed to me on a silver platter. There's been a lot of challenges that I've had to overcome in the process. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great story, man. Uh, thank you for sharing. And uh, critical thinking is, uh, is something that is, it's a great asset and something that um, I think not a lot of people get trained in school. I mean, even though it is a part of the curriculum now, but really it's, um, I find it through, through my education, it was sort of limiting that they were, we were focusing on certain things and you're supposed to think outside uh, inside that certain box yeah. and not really, um, uh, not really pull the lid and see, you know, what's, what's possible. But, um, so I think part, part yeah. of that too, not to, sorry to interrupt you is that I think we're still working with the paradigm that there is a box. Mm. And so there's some people that are taught to think inside the box and then you've got a few outliers who have said, hey, let's start thinking outside of the box. You know, I, I, I would suggest that there is no box at all. So we should just, con- we should just discontinue the conversation about the box. Mm. And instead of being trained to be a critical thinker, we should allow ourselves to be placed into environments that force us to be critical thinking. Yeah, I love that. Remove the box altogether. Um, so let's talk about towards the end of your firefighting career where you said that you were no longer fulfilled. Um, so what were the, some of the things that were happening at that time in your life where you decided, well, hmm, I don't really feel uh, great or it's, it's not the same anymore. And like, what was that process like? How long did it actually take you to decide to retire? And Yeah, yeah. it was uh, probably, I'd say for about a year. I just, you know, about 15 years ago, I just... Like I had a perfect life. I owned a small business. It was successful. It was one of the top companies in our niche mm-hmm. in the Northwest. I was a lieutenant in the fire department, working at the busiest station, had a great crew, beautiful wife, four kids. I was a leader in my local church. But inside, spiritually, I just, I just felt empty. There was just something that was unfulfilled. And I was reading through scriptures, and I was reading through history, and I was reading about these really powerful men that seemed to carry – the power of God in their life. And I was going to church and I was just experiencing theology and routine and, you know, just a small thinking in a lot of ways. And I was going through the motions of life. And on the outside, I felt like I should be a lot happier than I was, but I really wanted to pursue the deeper pursuit of what I later realized was the kingdom of God. And it, and it was, set apart from any sort of religion, but just understanding our creation and understanding spirituality and then understanding the power of God. And so that was probably a year, close to a year long process. And my wife and I were actually on vacation in Hawaii. And the day before we were coming back, I uh, was body surfing and the wave crashed me against the, the, the ground, the sand, and I broke my nose. Oh. And so I stood up and my nose was, snap pushed over and and i i just remember at that moment i'm like it's time and so i actually resigned from the fire department uh, before i went back from vacation i took two you know i took some sick leave to take care of my nose and i i retired took an early retirement cashed out um, early and about six months later we were living on the other side of the country and and started a new venture wow and and I'm sure that was a brave decision um, to leave a, leave a, like you said, a, a great career. 
and you had a great team. And um, so did you, ha- did you have, a, when you decided to retire, did you have a plan that, okay, I'll, I'll retire and then I can do this, this, and this? Or did you just like, I got to retire first and then I'll see what happens? Well, let me put it this way. I thought I had a plan. Mm. You know, but like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the nose. <laughs> right? So um, I thought I had a plan. I was, I was pretty invested in real estate at the time mm-hmm. and I had my small business. And so I sold my company got some money out of that. Um, I was invested in real estate. Some money was coming in from that. And then I took some cash out of my retirement. Mm. And I had an idea, but shortly after we moved, now I started experiencing supernatural signs and wonders. And like, so there were some really cool things that happened. But within, within a year, within 18 months of that decision to leave the fire department, um, we ended up losing everything. And... I remember sitting in my driveway early in the morning, the day after Christmas in 2007, as the tow truck was pulling our Land Rover away. Mm. And I had two weeks to be evicted from our, from our house. And we ended up losing everything, being homeless, being bankrupt, and had to start life all over again. So when you ask if I had a plan, like I thought I had a plan. Wow. But I think that, that the illusion of having a plan and thinking it was ever going to turn out exactly the way I thought it was, um, it was a limiting belief at that point because I didn't, it really took me off guard when we hit such hard times. And that's a long story about how we got to that point. But, you know, I partnered with the wrong people and some, and I, I made some decisions that I wasn't qualified to make. And I allowed other people to make decisions for me and I didn't take responsibility for those things. Mm. And so I later learned that, man, take, take bold risks but also do research and get educated in the areas that you're going to risk mm. and make sure that, you know, you count the cost before you go. And so, um, yeah, man, it, it, that's, that was my plan. I kind of rabbit trailed a little bit on there, but mm-hmm. I thought I had a plan. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that's a hard time, man. I am. Um, I went through. Well, my my journey is is not not as hard as yours, but it's it's still a journey. And uh, I think it started. Um, I was working a, a nine to five. I was working at a bank, and um, that my my daughter was uh, newly born at the time, and uh, I just had this you know really massive uh, urge to spend some time with her. And then when I started working, I was commuting maybe three to four hours uh, to work, and I would I would see her. Um, like one hour every day and that would just make me really sad and um so i i left i left that job and i applied to another bank which was a 20 minute drive and uh and i got in and i got the job and i thought okay i got this and you know everything's working out and this is fine but i think three to four or even five months into it i started to feel anxious whenever i would go to work and i noticed it like whenever i got close to work i just got this huge case of you know anxiousness like oh man I gotta do this now and then one time um, I was at the gym and I was running at the treadmill and I stopped and I sort of laid down and I just started to cry and it was at that moment and this is uh, like your nose breaking moment that I was like man that's it I have to quit now and I absolutely had no plan I just knew that I uh, I need to tell this to my wife I communicated to her and she was very supportive and I'm and I'm lucky in that sense and then I think the the next day I just uh, went up to the manager and I still remember my voice was sort of shaking because it was, uh, you know, I was lo- leaving a sure thing into the unknown and without a plan. And I was, uh, and I quit 
and uh, started spending some uh, time with my daughter. And uh, I think three or four months months into it, I would just you know watch her grow. I, I was just so much in love with her, man. I, I'm sure you experienced it with your kids, you yeah. know, watching her grow up. And I, I would just see her, you know, trying to learn new things and and do new things, even learning how to walk. You know, she would fall down and she would get frustrated and she would you know, get back up, you know, month after one until she finally started to do it. And then I started to think in this, in terms of like, you know, every one of us is born like that, with that, with that spirit, with that fire to keep on trying, even though it may seem impossible. Yeah. And then I started wondering uh, the same thing about myself, like, where's my spirit? You know, why, why, why do I give up so easily when this baby right here, she's not giving up and I didn't teach her that she's born with it. And if, if nobody was born with that same spirit, we'll be living in a world full of crawlers, right? <laughs> and, I, and then I just started, you know, uh, writing down uh, everything, you know, uh, whenever I saw her do different things. And uh, soon I had like a page full of insights. And I thought, hey, maybe I can write a book about this. Yeah. And then, you know, nine months later, I ended up writing a book. I published it. Um, um, I think it was, it was number one in happiness for about three days. Well, it came to a bestseller where I could say that it was a bestseller. And I was really happy with that. And then, um, but it was gone, uh, came and gone just like that, right? <laughs> and then started another phase. But uh, well, let's get back, to, get back to your story. I just wanted to share that with you because. No, that's um, good. Well, yeah. that's, I think that it just brings back memories. You know, I mean, I've, I've for, for probably 20, I don't know. 20, 25 years, I've been a person of faith. And so when you say, do you have a plan? I mean, I, my plan has always been following what I think God's asking me to do or showing me. Mm-hmm. So there's a loose plan with everything. But over the years, you know, we've, I mean, we've lived in eight cities in 12 houses. Wow. And um, there's been a lot of times I've made decisions that were for fed by our, our mission statement. So years ago, my wife and I made a family mission statement and I wrote a personal mission statement and that has been an anchor for me over the years. And for us, we've been, we've known each other for 27 years, I think been married. It'll be 23 this summer. And so that, that, that mission statement of defining our purpose early on, and deciding what we were dedicated to create in our life, the legacy that we wanted to leave behind, how we wanted to raise our kids. We wanted them to be cultured, spirit-led followers of Jesus, but we didn't want them to be to conform to the limitations of our educational system. We didn't want them to conform to the limitations of what people said they can do. We wanted them to know that they were all geniuses in their own way, and we wanted them to explore that. So I think that you know, situationally, I haven't always had a plan when I've stepped out to do something. I've sometimes I've just made gut decisions that I've known were right. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only person that got to decide whether they were right or not. And I think that was one of the most empowering things for me over the years is to recognize that I have dominion over my own life. I can choose my own actions. I can choose my thoughts. I can't always choose how, choose how things are going to play out, but I can completely choose what choices I make in pursuit of what it is I care about. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, so let's get back to your story when um, you, you said you hit rock bottom and, you know, um, you were homeless and, you know, your car was being towed away. And so what happened then? How did you sort of get yourself out of that? And uh, 
what was the process like? What was the thinking like? And was there any tools that you used to really yeah. get? Yeah. Well, for me, it, it, it came down to faith because at that point, you know, I believed in God and I had been, you know, I, I believed in, in the, in good and evil. And, and I, I believed in the supernatural realm, but, and I felt like I had been following God to that point. And so I felt like I was doing the right things, but when everything came crashing down, I remember sitting in my office one day and, and I was just, and I was just talking out loud to God. I'm like, okay, Lord, like either I didn't hear you mm. clearly and I've been deceived and if that's the case, I don't even know where to turn at this point because that voice, that inner voice that I've come to know, that's all I know. And so if that voice isn't true, then I don't even know where to start. Or I did hear you clearly and you just knew what I had to go through to perfect me in a way that I could be refined to fulfill my ultimate purpose in life. Mm. And so I made a decision that day to recommit myself at a deeper level to the journey of faith mm. into believing God and to believing that I was a son of God and that he had my best, he had, he had the best intentions for my life and I just needed to stay on the path. And so I put a stake in the ground, so to speak that day and just determined that I'm going to keep pushing through and I'm going to keep doing what I've always done, which is solve problems and figure things out. And so I think that that determination of setting my intention, making it really clear, and I've always kind of lived by this concept that intention plus mechanism equals result. If our intention is clear enough and we don't allow all of our other competing commitments to get in the way with what, we, what we're truly committed to doing, mm -hmm. then some sort of an option will always show up to solve that problem. And so it's this unlimited thinking that I began to embrace and I embrace what I call kingdom resourcefulness is that if we were created in the image and likeness of God, that means that we also have been given access to every resource in the kingdom in the unseen realm and in the seen realm. We just have to become physically, emotionally, spiritually well and whole and understand my identity is what I needed to understand. And then I began to produce results out of that identity. Mm. And then, so what is the process of uh, becoming physically, mentally, and spiritually well? What does that look like for you? I think it starts with, with being reflective and being, being intellectually honest with ourselves and like taking an inventory of our life and saying, what's working? What's mm -hmm. not working? What's missing that can be added? What's, what's cluttering up my life that needs to be taken away? And so... I think that being intellectually honest and emotionally honest with ourselves, when I was in the fire department, we saw a lot of really bad things happen. And I, um, you know, I disconnected the pain from the reality of what was happening so that I could show up. In fact, when I was 15, I was molested by a friend of the family and I didn't realize it until 25 years later, but I, at that point, desensitized myself from emotions. So I quit being able to feel pain or pleasure. Mm. And in that desensitization, desensitized, being desensitized, mm -hmm. um, I actually went completely out of touch with my emotions. I went out of touch with what I was really feeling, or I would shame myself if I was feeling 
a certain way, whether than, rather than digging into that feeling and being honest about it and then going back to the root of why I was feeling that way. So to me, part of becoming emotionally well is first acknowledging our emotions and with no judgment mm-hmm. and with no shame, but just saying, hey, I feel this way. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. So let me explore why I feel that way. Spiritually well, I think for me, it comes down. I've got kind of a four-part framework, purpose, power, provision, practice that I take people through. But that being spiritually well comes to making a decision about creation and why we're even here. Mm. And then understanding that unseen realm and how it affects us in our thoughts and in our daily activities. And then finding a group of people that can support us in that journey that don't necessarily show up with judgment, but they encourage or inspire or speak into our lives in a way that, or from a perspective that we might not be um, able to see at, at that point. So I think it's a journey. I mean, it's not something that just happens overnight, but, but diving into what do you really believe? There's a lot of noise today in culture and there's a lot of, that's why the Outliers Way you know, podcast that I do, it's, it's about practicing a Christ-centered life with purpose, power, and provision by challenging the mainstream status quo. There's, we have to question everything in life, and then we have to go find our own truth and, and make a decision what we're going to believe and then live into that. And so to me, it's a journey of, it's a journey of restoration. Mm. I think you touched on a very important point there where that it's um... – it doesn't happen, you know, with a snap in a finger. It's not genie in a bottle. And I think a lot of people sort of expect that from, from things like, you know, finding out what your purpose is of clarifying your intention. They think that once that it is, you know, then boom, you're, you're done and you're there. And then a lot of people get disappointed with that expectation. And yeah. I've, I've certainly been there personally. I, I thought, you know, this book that I was reading and, you know, once I, once I got done with that work, you know, boom, my life will be figured out. But like you said, it's a process and it's a journey and it's not um, genie in a bottle, so to speak. But um, um, have you experienced that in your own life or with any of your clients? And how do you address that sort of issue? Well, here's, here's one thing I think is a really, if there is one takeaway from finding your purpose that I would give is that it takes longer than you expect it to take to discover that purpose. But most of that is simply because of not being healed and whole. And I think that like most of my clients, most of the people that I've worked with over the years, deep inside, we all know if we are connected deep inside, we all know that small thing that fires us up, that injustice in the world that just, we want to go and and solve that, we know that thing that in our, I believe our purpose is deeply connected to that, but because the voices that we listen to are so strong and because we are all so insecure, mm. because we're all living in a world with everybody's opinions and rejection and social media has exponentially compounded this and this microwave, get it now guru culture where everybody's just, you know, they're telling you how to build multi-million dollar businesses as they're trying to do it themselves. They haven't even done it. Mm-hmm. And they're selling you the model that they're making up as they go, right? They just mm-hmm. bought this course and now they're going to go and be the expert. And I think that people do that with purpose as well. Um, one thing that I would say for me 
if I look back 20 years, the things I'm pursuing and I'm passionate about and getting powerful results in today, they were the same things that were in my heart 20 years ago. It's just that it took me that long to get confident about what I believed and to form the experience that I needed to be able to fully step into it. So there's an experience element, mm. but I would just encourage anybody, if you've got that thing, when you write down your, your personal mission statement, or if you're married, your family mission statement, write down those things, those core values, those injustices, how you want to be remembered and listen to that voice because that's you, that's inside of you. And then have confidence and boldness and courage to pursue that. And it's out of that conviction early on that purpose will grow. And for some people, you know, they get launched into big platforms early. Purpose isn't always about platform. You know, purpose is about placement. It's about who are you around and, and how are you impacting the world? And, you know, financial security is a big part of that, but impact is an even bigger part of that. And so making sure that it really aligns and then just trusting yourself, like learning to hear the voice of God for yourself or whatever you believe in. Uh, but hear that voice and trust that voice and don't doubt it. You know, if you, if you believe it, mm. um, if you believe it, then, then do it, you know, like stick to it and keep taking those steps forward. Yeah. I love that, man. And uh, you talk about belief and that's plays such an important part in anything that you're trying to do. That's, you know, not, not conventional. Yeah. And I've, I've certainly experienced it and I've, I've had challenges with it with even, uh, you know, when I was writing my book, you know, there I would hear voices, oh, who's going to read it? Why am I doing this? And am I even going to be able to commit to this and complete it? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think I wrote, uh, it was a Will Smith video where he, uh, he was talking about belief that, you know, before anybody else is going to believe in you, you have to believe in yourself. Absolutely. And from that belief, you'll attract other people who, when they see the work, they, they will believe in you. But first of all, you have to be your own believer. And you have to give your permission, yourself permission to believe in yourself because I think everybody is waiting for permission mm -hmm. and with purpose. Everybody's waiting to be validated, but you're not going to be validated for the things that you've been called to do until you start doing them because you can't attract the people into your life that will validate you. So until you, until, until you show up powerfully, the people that are supposed to be connected to you will never find you. Because you are like, I, I have a pretty radical message for some people. Christians are afraid of me because I'm too radical. Mm. People who are outside of the faith are skeptical because they associate me with Christianity because I follow Jesus. And so I live in a weird paradox, man. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing is that more I just show up authentically and share that. Yeah, I've got people that don't agree with my philosophy. That's fine. But the people who do, they've just been waiting for somebody to show up to speak this way. And that validation never came until I stepped into it. And mm -hmm. so step into the place that you feel passionate about and have confidence to be different and to be bold because it's not about creating a life that other people are happy with. It's about you being true to that voice inside of yourself and then having the confidence. And, you know, I've kind of, I've got five keys to effective prayer that have worked for me that might work for some people is that first it's position your heart remove distractions, expect encounters, believe what you hear, and then take action. And so this is a belief model because if we start with the place of wholeness, of purity, of, hey, I want to go and discover my truth, my purpose, my 
destiny? What is it that I'm going to create as a legacy? And my heart is positioned without selfish motives. I've forgiven people. I am coming there with a place of authenticity. And then I put myself in an environment that I'm not distracted by phones and other voices and negativity and toxic thinking. And then expect, expect things to happen audibly or visually or in our senses or just know something and then believe it, right? And then go do it. It's the treasuring principles. The more that you take action on the things that you believe, the more conviction you'll get in the things that you believe that will empower you to move forward. It's a compounding strategy. And I think that that model of belief has helped me to build my faith over the years to where I haven't had to explain to anybody why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. I just knew there were values. Flexibility has been a value. I live in Northwest Montana outside Glacier National Park. We wanted to do that. I didn't want to work a nine to five job. I didn't want to be a part. I didn't want to commute to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't been easy, but I, I have found my own belief in the things that I have found in my prayer time and the convictions that I've lived into. And that's what's allowed us to create a lifestyle that we, you know, that we wanted to create. Mm. Wow. I love what you're saying, man. Um, so the people who, who know that this is, um, there's something that I wanted, they, they want to do. They're familiar with, with the voice. Like I certainly have friends who say, Moin, I know that I, I just need to do this one thing and then I can get to this place where I want to get at. But they're for some reason they're not taking action like you yeah. said taking action is a big part of it so how, how do you help someone who's sort of in that space where they where they know okay i need to take this one step but they're just for for whatever reason it is they're not taking that first step what's stopping them and and how can you help someone in in that space i think two ways one is more of an internal issue that's that you know working on identity i think we have an identity crisis in the world today that our identity has been hijacked and so we have connected our identity to our bank account to our to our instagram profile to the amount of followers that we have to the validation that we get and so i think that the first step is finding somebody that can help you to embrace your true identity and understand who you are and come to believe who like who is moin who am I? Am I am I created in the image and likeness of God? If I am, then I need to embrace that perfection and I need to show up in that uniqueness and be confident in who I am, regardless what anybody else says. So I think that's the inner work that needs to happen. Hmm. But on a more practical level, I'd say that when we're isolated, we don't take steps. And so I, I would say create a mastermind group where go find four or five people that are successful in an arena that you want to be successful in and find a way to provide value for them and ask them if they would be willing to be in a mastermind group with you for six months or for a year and tell them what your goals are. So if you go to somebody uh, who has achieved success in an area of life and you show them your life purpose, I've written it down. I've taken the time to, write this down. I know this. I've invested in myself. I've read these books. I've listened to these podcasts. I've done this training and I want to go to the next level, but I need people who are at a higher level to be speaking into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, If you take that initiative and come to the right people, they'll surround you and then they'll hold you accountable to actually taking action and doing those things. But I've also spent a lot of time 
pushing a rope, trying to, to drag people to success. Mm. And you can't drag anybody to success. And so guys who are successful are never going to attach themselves to people who don't want success more than that person wants it for them. And so if I come across people and I can see greatness in them, but they just can't or won't see it in themselves, I don't waste my time with them because I just don't have the time to spend with people who don't believe in themselves. And it's not that I don't have empathy. It's just that I want to develop leaders and I can't, I don't want to develop followers. I want to develop leaders and, and I can't develop leaders unless they start believing in themselves and decide to make bold actions on their own and step into those places that they find fear and embrace it with courage and move forward. Yeah. Love that. And it comes back to, you know, how much, how much do you really want it and how clear you are on your intention and your purpose? Um, so I want to talk about, you touched on um, experiencing some supernatural things. I'm really yeah. interested in those. I love those. Yeah. Um, so uh, can you share a one or two or how many, as many yeah. as you want? Yeah. Well, the, the one that, you know, that radically shifted my life shortly after I moved from Washington state to Georgia, I met a couple of spiritual mentors and they began to teach me a lot about the unseen realm that I never had been taught before. And, and we actually, four of us went up to a cabin in North Georgia mountains and we were just going there for 24 hours and we were going there to specifically pray. We had just been in Israel and we had just been at the Herzliya conference. I got to meet the prime minister of Israel and we were doing some nonprofit work over there. And we were going to kind of debrief that, that trip and we were going to go pray for 24 hours. And we get up to this cabin and we walked in to the cabin and, um, and I went downstairs and I threw my bag down and I noticed these walking sticks, these like wooden walking sticks that were leaning up against the wall and we we're in the mountains. And so it wasn't unusual. I didn't think anything of it, but I took note that they were there. And then we went upstairs and, and we had some worship music playing softly in the background and we had, we took communion and uh, we had a bottle of wine, we took communion, and we were just praying quietly. And I, I heard at the time what I thought was the voice of God, but I was still pretty young in that, you know, I, I wasn't sure what I was hearing, mm -hmm. but I, I thought it was the voice of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I heard him say, go grab one of those walking sticks. And so I'm like, I open my eyes and look around and like everybody's just got their eyes closed. I'm thinking, well, I don't know where this thought's coming from. Right. And so I go, okay. So I walk downstairs and I grab one of these sticks and then I just to myself, I say, okay, now what? And I hear this voice again, like this thought, it's not a voice. It's like a thought. I just had this thought mm -hmm. and it said, hold, you know, hold on to it while you guys pray. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I go upstairs and I said, Hey guys, I don't know. I mean, it sounds I don't know. It sounds weird, mm -hmm. but I feel like we're supposed to hold on to this stick mm -hmm. while we pray. Okay. So they're like, all right, well, we're here to pray. So all four of us grab onto this large walking stick. And as soon as we did, a fire supernaturally starts burning in the fireplace. Wow. It's like full, full blow burning. And we look at it and we're like, what? And at that exact moment, my friend Gary, his Blackberry probably before your time, his Blackberry goes <laughs> off and there's a text message from a woman that was praying for us. And the text said, 
the Lord says, expect angelic visitation today. Hmm. And when we read that and we're looking at this fire, this overwhelming presence, I can't describe it in any way, but like this just weighty supernatural presence came and we took our shoes off. It was like the Moses, the burning bush in the Bible with Moses. And so we took our shoes off and, you know, we pounded the staff on the ground 12 times. And I don't know why we did that, but I wrote it in our journal. And uh, interestingly, 12 years later, I'm in Montana and starting retreats. And that same, you know, when I'm praying for people, when I pray for people, it's like an electricity goes through my arm and there's like, there's things that break off of them. And so if people have strongholds emotionally or spiritually, for whatever reason, when we get together and we, and we dive into these things in prayer and I can put my hand on them, there's an activation that happens. And we've seen people get physically healed. We've seen people get emotionally healed where they, their anger goes away. Like they had crazy anger and just over a prayer session, that anger is gone from them. And so, you know, there's a, there's, number of different encounters over the past 14 years like that that we've had that fire starting the first time you know the fire burned for about 10 minutes and then it went out and we sat down on the couch and we're just still in awe Mm. and and I remember Gary said guys the most important thing that we can do is learn how to hear God's voice and when he said that the fire started again and then it went out I'm like, what in the world I had just retired from the fire department when this happened so just to kind of for all the skeptics because I I'm like, okay, I watched this happen, but I'm like, did this really happen? Like part of me was kind of like, did this really happen? Mm. So that next morning before we left, I'm like, I've learned, like, I believe this happened, but I just, I'm going to go see if there's any natural way this could have happened. Right. Mm. So I went over to the fireplace and it was a propane fireplace. And I, I went and I looked and the propane gas was turned off, mm-hmm. but I'm like, well, maybe it's broken. So I started lighting it, I, like clicking the lighter, trying to light it. It wouldn't light. So then I turned on the gas and then I lit the fire and it lit normally. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it did, you know, that smell that you get when you turn on a, a, a furnace or you light a stove the first time yeah. in the fall or winter and it's been sitting all summer, that dust, kind of that dusty, smoky smell. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. That smell consumed the inside of the entire cabin immediately when I lit the fire and we didn't smell it the night before Mm. when that fire burned for more than 10 minutes. And so, man, it's just opened my mind to the scientific nature of the unseen realm and quantum physics and all the things that a lot of religious people have, have, you know, have set aside and yet a lot of other people who, who don't necessarily believe in Jesus or a kingdom of God have tapped into those spiritual encounters as well. Um, the supernatural, I think, is pretty intriguing for a lot of people. Um, I think we were created to be supernatural, and I believe that the power of God is within all of us if we choose to embrace it and choose to live a surrendered life to find it. And so that's, that's a big part. You know, some of the retreats that we run, they're called dunamis re- retreats. Mm-hmm. Dunamis- Where does that name come from? Yeah. Dunamis is a Greek word that means power. It's actually used more than a hundred times in the New Testament. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he he said that they would receive dunamis. They would receive power, which is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so this dunamis power was what raised Jesus from the dead. Dunamis is the ability to create wealth. Dunamis is an inherited power that comes to all of humanity. It's, it's, it's given to us 
as an inheritance as sons of God. And so this has been a life effort for me is to understand this dunamis power, this strength, this, this ability to create and to embrace the power of God in everything that we do in our life. And it's, 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 it's a radical paradigm shift, but we, I mean, we've got so many stories of so many people. Um, we take some really high powered men out on, on retreats every summer out here in the Bob Marshall wilderness. And these guys just get wrecked because they experience things that they've never experienced before. And, you know, high performing producers, wealthy men have fame and they have notoriety and, and, and they get out in the presence of God and they feel these prayers and they can feel things breaking off of them in their soul. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's hard to describe to the person who hasn't experienced it, but it's been a pursuit of mine. And um, for the past 15 years, we've experienced it on a number of occasions. And, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty unique. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that story. I, um, I had, I had goosebumps throughout that story. So, you know, and uh, I had good goosebumps through most of, most of our conversation because you're, you're saying a lot of powerful things. Uh, and um, I just really appreciate uh, you sharing that knowledge here. Um, yeah. I've never had something like that happen to me. And I, I, I've always been intrigued by the supernatural. I think a lot of people are. And um, I think my most powerful experiences were within the last, I think, three to five years. But um, nothing, nothing compared to what you just described. Um, well, I would even say this too, like one thing that I've come to believe mm. when you expect encounters as spiritual beings, we can encounter the supernatural every day through all of our senses. It's just that most of us aren't tuned into it. Mm. And so, yeah, I had a fire show up, which is really uncommon. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's never going to happen to me again. It's not going to happen to my kids. It's not going to happen to anybody who's listening to this podcast. This was like a weird one-time event that for whatever reason, whatever purpose God may have had in that, it happened. It's part of my story. But the unseen realm is about, it's about finding that inner peace and finding that inner voice and taking the little clues when, you know, you're praying and, you, and a bird comes and lands on a tree in front of you or... Mm -hmm you know, or a car drives in front of you and it's got a license plate with the number sequence that means something to you. Mm. You start picking up some of those little clues and the more sensitive you become in that, in that spiritual realm, the more you naturally live supernaturally and you really begin to encounter the supernatural all the time. Mm. You know, we, there's signs and wonders and miracles and, and a lot of crazy things that, that can happen. But I think the supernatural is really in the small things. And sometimes it's even in walking up to a person, you don't know why you're drawn to them, but you feel like you're supposed to go say something or, or give them a word of encouragement. That's a gift that's inside of you that's trying to come out. And that's a gift that was given to you for another person. And I think that when we obey those voices, as I bring to remembrance, I, I, you know, I was in, in Georgia a long time ago and I remember I remember walking out of a building with a friend and, and all of a sudden his face, his face just got flushed and he opened up his wallet and looked in his wallet and then he closed his wallet. And I'm like, what's going on? You know? And he, he took off running across the parking lot. Hmm. I'm like, what is he doing? And he, I saw him go talk to a guy in a truck and, and then he comes walking back and I'm like, what was that all about, man? 
he's like, I don't know. He's like, I just felt like God told me to give that man everything that was in my wallet. And I opened my wallet and there was only $2. And I'm thinking, Lord, I can't give them $2. Like that's just, you know, shame, imposter syndrome started popping up. Like, what am I going to do giving this guy $2, right? Right. He said, but when he walked up to the truck, he said, hey, man, like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. Mm. He hands him $2. And the guy broke down in tears. And he said, you don't know this, but today is my wife's birthday. Mm. And she died six months ago. But we had a, a family tradition that on her birthday, everybody gave her two dollars wow as a gift wow that's supernatural dude like if we can trust the voice that's inside of us all the time and step out of our comfort zone whether it's a big dream or whether it's a two dollar moment of somebody given being given money and when we trust those encounters and we trust the authenticity that's coming behind that and the purity that's in that we can impact people's lives everywhere we go. And it's kind of cliche, but if we can help other people get through the day or, or to their next goal or objective, ultimately, ultimately it's that, it's that universal law of, of, you know, giving and taking, reaping and sowing karma, whatever, you know, whatever you attach yourself to, but there is, there is a re there's a real, um, supernatural arena that we can operate in. It's the unseen stuff that matters. And that's, that's where our place of power really shows up when we begin to embrace that. And we can declutter ourselves from the noise of culture and social media and all the toxic thinking and the self-talk, the negativity that we, you know, the insecurities that we embrace and, and uh, become confident. Hey, if you're, if you're a son or a daughter of God, then you've got the, that dunamis power of God inside of you. Start listening to it. Mm. That's a, that's a beautiful message, man. And I think it's a, it's a great way to get to the end of our conversation. Um, so uh, before we go, um, what's one way people can connect with you? Do you have any retreats coming up soon? Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, we've got a retreat July, I think, 9th through 14th. I just opened applications for that yesterday. We're only accepting six men. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's more of a high-ticket retreat. We, you know, we go five days pretty deep into the Bob Marshall wilderness. Um, for, for anybody on here, I've got, I'd like to get just a free masterclass if you're interested. It's that five keys to effective prayer. I put together a quick little masterclass. It's really short. It's two or three minute videos each day, mm-hmm. but it just helps people to go through those five keys of effective prayer. And you can access that at outliersway.com forward slash wake up. And, uh, That'll get you into a, like a seven video series. And, and my, you know, I think that the, the key, the, the most important thing that in my perspective that we can do in life is learn to hear God's voice because that's where that healing is going to come from. That's where that clarity, purpose, you know, all those things come from. And I think that that has been mystified in a lot of ways and it's made to be really complicated. So one of the things I'm passionate about is helping people realize, hey, you, you can hear God's voice no matter what your belief is today and no matter what religion you may or may not subscribe to, there's something far deeper than any religion that you can attach yourself to. And it's about creation. And if you can learn to hear that voice. And so that, you know, uh, people can, can connect with me there. I'm on social media, LinkedIn and, and uh, 
outliers way on Instagram. So yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to continue the conversation with anybody. Yeah. Awesome. And, um, um, I gotta say, you know, uh, my, my intention always is whenever I bring, uh, some guests on is to inspire just one person or someone who's listening or even, even uh, sometimes, uh, the guest who's speaking, you know, they may be inspired, but, uh, I just want to say today, you know, you've inspired me mm. and, um, uh, this conversation, it means a lot to me. So thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm really grateful that you had me on and, uh, I love what you're doing. I've, uh, listen to a couple of your episodes and uh, you're making a big impact. So keep following that, that purpose and uh, you're doing good stuff, man. All right. Thank you, man. That means a lot. It really does. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment, if you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moin Podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.